Uh, y'all can tell Mellon Streaming Service they can kiss my ass. I pay fifty dollars a month for this BS, and it's not working worth the shit. So, yeah, they can kiss my ass. Secondly, apologize for the inconveniences. If you don't want to watch me, fuck off too. I could care less. Um. Anyways, awesome. we're gonna go back to what we was talking about. Taylor, take it because I'm probably gonna have technical difficulties. You know. I'm going to go ahead and start with this uh, because this really didn't get talked about last time we were doing the live. And this was when Micah Pittman was uh, tweeting out, let's just say we ain't done yet. And then he just kind of had the eyeball emoji, the, the famous eyeball emoji everybody talks about. Who knows? And then uh, maybe about 30 minutes later, he talked about saying, I got to be a top five recruiter. And they got rankings for players. And this is where everybody started to get kind of fascinated on what was kind of happening. And, you thought maybe it might be, um, you know, the, the Georgia wide receiver from Calabasas. And then you also thought about Trey Benson, the, the running back from Oregon. You know, you start thinking about different things. And then you got K-Camp over here tweeting a Batman symbol. And last time he did that, we landed Tatum Bethune. So it's, it's pretty good considering – because I think uh, K-Camp works now for the uh, freelance situation. He, he does a little bit for – a, a graphic designing company uh, somewhere else, but he's still involved with the Florida state program. So uh, when he does that, it pretty much means at least something is, is coming back. And uh, I believe if I remember correctly, uh, Joe, I can't remember his last name on Twitter. He actually is doing the graphic for the quote unquote transfer or recruit that um, is basically considering Florida state and probably has already chose Florida state. He's already got the graphic done. But, um, you know, we'll see how that plays out. Um, you know, like I said, Florida State's landed nine transfers. They can they can get up to eight. I don't know if they're going to get to eight, kind of like Chris talked about before. Maybe they might get three or four. Um, the biggest issue with that is, is Florida State's going to a situation now where the next transfers they get are going to be enrolling during the summer, unless they find a way to get a waiver. And it could happen. Uh, transfers are a little bit odd with that sense. Um, but – you know, does it really help if you bring in a backup running back for the summer? I mean, does it does it really move the needle? Like, you have to get really, really creative. Like, um, with Noah Kane, you know, he previously – he's now committed to LSU. Um, we're going to have to face that next year. So, um, personally, I'm a little bit nervous with Florida State and how they're going to attack some of these transfers if they get a surefire offensive tackle which not a lot of them have entered the portal uh kind of like chris talked about there may be a couple that are thinking about entering but nobody really that's solidified and that you can say that is a surefire starter that will start in this offensive line and be able to push either darius washington or bless harris to right guard um and right now you've seen it with the quarterback room i don't think they add a graduate transfer till probably maybe before the spring, a little bit before, maybe during the summer. Um, it won't be a move that'll be, you know, taken lightly. It'll just be a move that they're going to make eventually down the road, but it's not a high priority, like I said. So, yes, you, you got to look at Tate Rodemaker and, and A.J. Duffy as backups there. But personally, um, if I had to guess on who it probably was, um, I would probably say Trey Benson was probably who they were referring to. I think there were some situations there, and I don't think they feel too comfortable now. Uh, he's got a couple of knee injuries that they got to work on. So I personally am not a huge fan of Benson myself. 
Um, I actually like the uh, Oregon running back transfer or uh, Travis Dye that entered today. Um, he actually was very productive at Oregon, had 211 carries, 1,271 yards, and 16 touchdowns. That's not a typo. And he also had 46 receptions for 402 yards and two touchdowns. And just to even think of that, in, you could say, oh, he's very productive. He literally had more yards than our leading receiver last year because Ontario Wilson had 23 receptions for 382 yards and five touchdowns. He literally had twice the receptions that he had and 20 more yards as a running back. And I'm not saying that Anthony Brown is something great because Anthony Brown is not a great quarterback. I don't care who you think that is. But I'm just telling you now, he is the all-purpose yards leader uh, at Oregon uh, from that one season uh, with having basically about 1,600 yards, 1,700 yards. And that's a very productive running back. Now, the thing with him is is he's from California, so he's got that West Coast connection. Not every Oregon player that transfers out are basically there. It could be a situation where he's looking for some NIL deals, trying to push on to see if schools would do that. And we all know how Florida State is right now with NIL. They're not really pushing the needle right now with NIL. And that's one concern that you have with some of these transfers that are transferring out. Yes, there are some some successful pieces that Florida State can be able to go get, like a um, you know certain offensive tackle or a certain linebacker or a certain quarterback. But if you aren't getting compensated, and that's why I was kind of questioning on, you know, there must be a plan for uh, Fabian Lovett because with his kid, with him having those health conditions and everything, and really needing constant care, and him foregoing the NFL to stay at Florida State. There had to be a reason as to why you know he was able to do that because I think he will be able to get compensated. And I think Florida State, with the uh, lawmakers actually making a decision that they are going to keep going with the state of Florida law, and hopefully DeSantis can be able to pass that, so that way everything will go you know to plan. But if Florida State is able to do that and they have their NIL deal in place, hopefully Rising Spear or some other company can be able to kind of get that going for Florida State going forward. Hopefully that can be a situation where Fabian Lovett is able to take care of his family, get everything situated there, um, and kind of do what we need to do because Florida State's kind of behind the eight ball. And um, Florida State is working on some NIL deals, like the Facebook user had said. Um, I had talked to a couple of sources that are involved with a couple of NIL deals that are working tirelessly to try to get everything going. Uh, right now, Rising Spears kind of at a standstill because they are falling and kind of going by the wall. And, of course, you you have some obstacles in the state of Florida, unlike some other places, and some stuff are not really getting done right now. And that's the thing that Florida State's got to go through. Yes, you can get some minor marketing companies to make some merch or whatever the case is, but if you really want to profit off of making you know a lot of money and get associated through the university, something's got to be done. Yeah, um, I will say this, though. There is some good news uh, about this comment right here that they heard some big NIL deals are coming or yeah. basically headed to Florida State. That is true. Yeah. Um, I stay in contact with a lot of the players. I even try to help get NIL deals for the players as much as I, as much as I can help. Um, but the biggest issue that Florida State has, there's no doubt that it's the state law. Uh, there's multiple state laws that cause it to be a huge issue. It's hard to yeah. go around them because the university or the coaches, none of them can have anything to do with getting 
the student players a NIL deal. They, they can't do anything with it. They can't even speak on it. So there's a huge legislation that's coming out to get passed that Florida um, just citizens period need to vote that it allows all of us uh, to help get these young men and women NIL deals. That has got to be taken care of. So uh, otherwise you're going to continue to fall behind. Is Florida State farther behind than anybody else that's got the same loss? No. So everybody kind of like misconstrued uh, or misunderstood what Apex was for Florida State. Uh, Apex is more of a – it's like the education part of it for the, the students to learn how to get NIL deals or what, yeah. you know, situations not to get yourselves into. And the reason that they came up with this is because of the current NIL laws in the state of Florida. They didn't want kids to get in a whole lot of trouble um, or get themselves into a financial debt that they can't get out of because they signed some crazy contract for their lifetime. You never know. Just, it's all about – Obviously, you know, just watch the fine print, guys. Pay attention. If you can afford a lawyer, get one. Um, don't do not do anything stupid. Uh, and don't think because you are who you are that people won't screw you over because yeah. that gives them even more reason to do so. Um, but moving off of the NIL stuff, because I think the state of Florida is going to get it passed. We're going to get the laws corrected, yeah. and we can, make it, we can make it what it needs to be. Um, off of that, I we I don't even want to say we lost somebody because it, it doesn't really feel like we lost them. It's kind of like a mutual agreement. But uh, Sabbath Joseph uh, was an off the field analyst for Florida State. Uh, he basically had one job, and that was to get a particular linebacker here. Mm. Taylor's fault. He told me this. I didn't even realize that was his region or his job. Yeah. But his job was to get this particular linebacker here to commit. Obviously, that didn't happen because Omar Graham Jr., that was Chris Mars' guy, uh, from what I understand. Yeah. And yeah, if y'all was, yeah. if y'all noticed, uh, Omar Graham Jr. is at Tallahassee. Right now, he is going to suit up in Garnet Gold. The gentleman that uh, Savage Joseph was supposed to get is freaking elsewhere, wherever, don't care. Uh, but he has moved on. Savage Joseph is now a Miami what is he? A defense? He's uh, still like on the field. Analyst. He's still, yeah. Oh, he's off the field still. Well, yeah, he's still off the field. Uh, he the made a lot of moves. I mean, like I said, and I'll even, I'll even break the ice. He didn't get Wesley Bissett, and it was his region. He coached at Miami Central. He had direct connections with the program. Yes, you can blame it on Chris Marv all you want to, but Chris Marv was not in that region. Um, yes, he is the linebacker coach, and yes, he is responsible to an extent for linebacker recruiting. But the reason they brought Savage Joseph into the staff was to be able to recruit Wesley Bassane, and he did not do so. The reason why they weren't even really making an effort to be able to hire him or keep him on the staff at Florida State was simply because he had one job, and he didn't do it. He had one job as an off-the-field assistant to potentially get himself a job as an assistant, and did not do that. Um, and if he wants to go to Miami, wish him all the best. Wish his family all the best. He's a nice guy. But he didn't do what he needed to do. And that just goes to show. And, and a lot of people talk about this too. Uh, Dugans, for example. Uh, Mike Norvell is, you know, the the uh, Ron Dugans contract is going to be coming up 
on January 31st. He has until then to be able to hire someone else. Um, you know, of course, with that being said, I still think they keep Dugans on staff because of the continued uh, of the of the program itself, uh, keeping a sense of just continuity. And I think that there could be a situation there where Florida State maybe looks ahead. But I do think it's probably the best interest right now if you want to keep Dugans. And I'm not saying he's a great option, but I am saying there is a situation there where, you know, we could get to Dugans being a I get I guess you could say he's he's not a bad option, but his recruiting ability has been okay. You know, he's gotten Joshua Burrell. Malik McLean, you know, Destin Hill that hasn't showed up just yet. And, you know, we're, we're trying to see how that goes. And, you know, he got three wide receivers last year, but only one of them played because Burrell got hurt and also Destin Hill didn't show up and didn't enroll. So that kind of places the blame there. And then you turn around this season or this recruiting cycle, you didn't really go after a receiver. You were really selective with certain positions and then it kind of falls on you. And, it's different because Dugan's had a lot of high expectations for some of these receivers and did not get him. And yes, we got a couple of transfers. Yes. Um, but Mike Norvell took a huge uh, recruiting leap into some of these recruitments for some of these transfers and was able to get some of these guys. So I'm not saying that keeping Dugan's is a bad idea. I just think it, he should be, you know, kept up with some expectations that need to be covered uh, just understanding the fact that we need to land some of these guys to be able to be successful, especially at the wide receiver position. And I, I think Florida State's doing a good job right now, and I think most of the staff um, is doing a really good job as well. Um, and I'm just hoping that Florida State is able to continue this momentum, and hopefully it bleeds out into the field. Yeah, I I definitely agree. I like um, the thing is, is with Dugan's like you don't. You don't get rid of him unless you find somebody that's a, a home run hit. Yep. And unless you find that guy that wants to be here and you can make that home run higher, there's no reason in losing Dugans when the continuity needs to be there. You do need it. Yeah. Um, so when will we know if Dugans and or Odell will stay or leave? So the 31st, like Taylor was just saying, is when – their contract is up. Now, do you expect an announcement before? I do. I'd expect an announcement before. Now, I will say this. Um, I, from people I've spoken to, um, they don't expect it to be just a one-year deal. They expect it to be a multiple-year deal, at least two. Um, With Dugans? Want, yeah, they don't want to keep having, like, you know, one-year deals and, you know, all that stuff. They want to keep, like, an actual schedule because – if I remember correctly, the new staff that had been hired on, they would be that would be some of their deadlines coming up with with that staff. So they would be all into the same period with deadlines. So if I remember correctly, I think that would be the case. I personally think that Odell will probably take a two year deal, um, and that may be the end of his era at Florida State. Maybe we never know about that, but um, I just don't know. That's that's one big thing there, but. That's just me. Uh, this question here, do we think that we'll get a commitment with the big visit weekend uh, for the 23 guys? That's what Taylor was talking about earlier in the first of three videos now. Um, yeah, I, I believe that we end up getting a guy or two to commit for the 2023 class personally. Um, 
Here's the thing. I'm not a huge fan of these kids committing too fast because then they fall into this era like uh, <laughs> yeah, or Nigelique Kelly. Yeah. Uh, when they when they commit so fast, they feel like people aren't looking at them anymore because they're yeah. committed somewhere. And then the weirdest thing is, is like with Kelly's situation, is he found out that it wasn't the case that he was um, committed somewhere. Just that yeah. many people had already wrote him off. Um, so he ends up at Miami. Uh, good luck with that, buddy. Uh, but I yeah, would, I think uh, we will. I would definitely keep an eye on five prospects, possibly. I would think Adam Hopkins, uh, the wide receiver four star. I'd also think Hakeem Williams, teammates with Omar Graham Jr. I would think probably four star offensive lineman Roger Kearney. I think it'll be a guy you got to look at. He's really high on Atkins as it is. And uh, you also got Lucas Simmons. Uh, I did a Q&A with him a while back. He's actually from Sweden, believe it or not. Uh, he actually is going to high school at Clearwater, I believe. Uh, that's where a lot of those international kids go. And um, the last one, I, it may surprise you, but I mean, Macari Vickers, but I don't really see Vickers really making that move just yet. He's got a huge recruitment. And personally, I don't know. I mean, you can put him on the list of just somebody to watch out for. But personally, those are my five that I would really look at with that. So, yeah, that, that's me. Um, yeah, I just I, – personally, like, like Chris said, I wouldn't really pull the gun. I would say maybe – I'm, I'm going to put an over-under at this, and I want you – and you can just tell me. And this is basically just telling me if there's going to be a commit or not. I, I was going to put the over-under for commits at a half, a half. So – Basically, you can tell me if there is going to be somebody or if there's not. I like are we giving me this week or are we saying Sunday? This week. Like, so, oh. so after Sunday, you know, you got a week period for when they just decide and talk about it with family and different things like that. But only out of the recruits, not transfers. No, just just transfer. Or uh, It could be transfers and recruits. I'll go ahead and go. Uh, if, we, if we say transfers and recruits, it's over a half. Okay. What about just twenty three kids? Do you think? Do you think? I think a half. I think a half is safe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I, it's hard. Yeah, because I wouldn't go one and a half because I really don't think we're going to have huge. Now we're going to have some traction. There's going to be a difference. There might be like a crystal ball or two being placed on one of these kids. But as for a commit, mm, mm-hmm. Kearney is a guy I would really watch out for. I've spoken to him for quite some time the last couple of weeks. And he's someone that I really think Florida State really loves. And like I said, he could be a guy that pops. Um, Hakeem Williams, if he does decide to come, his parents are big uh, Miami fans. So, yeah, that's something. Uh, That's something I have to watch out for there, but I still like Florida State's chances. Yeah, if Steve Wilfong drops a bomb, uh, then, yeah. But more than likely, it'll probably be. Hey, y'all got y'all gonna be getting on. Hey, look now, old uh, Fong over here. He get uh, he been wrong a couple times this year. Uh, yeah. One mostly with Coleman Jr. But uh, I mean, he was right. He wasn't going to Miami, but he was wrong. He wasn't coming to Florida State either. Yeah, it's just um, you know, with a lot of those those analysts because he he does a really good job, but um. You know, just all those analysts and everything, they really connect a lot of times with, with a lot of the kids that are outside of their recruitment. So strength and conditioning coach, assistant coach, parent, um, you know, whatever the case is, you know, he really gets involved with a lot of their recruitments and 
he doesn't necessarily talk to them themselves, which that's where some of the disconnect comes from there. Right. Or, you know, it's 17-year-old kids. You know, they might visit Florida State one day and say, oh, man, I love Florida State. I'm going to commit the next day. And then they go to the next day to Georgia, and they're like, oh, man, I love Georgia now. You know, so it's just a situation where you're dealing with 17- and 18-year-olds, and it's very unpredictable. Yeah, uh, you know, some of you might be uh, around 20, 25, and some of you might be, you know, well into your senior years now. And I don't know if you can remember back when you were 17 and 18 years old, but you were probably inconsistent. I, I would say you're probably comp- – you know, you'll go to – let's say we'll just pick a, a steakhouse. You go to uh, any – popular steakhouse knowing you wanted a steak you'll sit down and you'll see a picture of chicken tenders and that's what the hell you get yeah that's 17 18 years old that's just that's how they are uh i'll have one kid tell me hey man make me an edit and we'll make one and then he never uses it and then he ends up going to a different school um i had a transfer this the reason why i asked about the transfer situation because i made it a commit i made a commit edit for a transfer already yeah. So I know there's one coming. Yeah. I mean, unless he he's not 17 and 18 years old. Yeah. So, yeah. and I know you're not letting me bet money on it because that'd be like yeah. insider. No. But no, no, no. Uh, yeah. But I'm trying to get it out of you anyway. Anyways, I do know one coming this week. So, as far as transfer now, as far as 2023, I again, guys, I I don't want to see too many commitments fast because. Travis Hunter was committed to us for over a year and some odd months. Yeah. And at the last freaking second, this kid flips and goes to Jackson State University, regardless if there was a million and a half dollars or not. Yeah. But I will say this, though, and not a lot of people talk about this either, that they'll keep bringing this up. And they kept bringing up the whole Sam Howell situation and the whole Jeff Sims situation. You know, they bring up quarterbacks and they bring up important players. So – Travis Hunter was a generational recruitment. This will probably never happen again. If it does, it happens every 20, 25, 30 years. And we've never seen something like that ever. And the ranking system hasn't been around that long. So you really have to understand and realize that there's a situation where he sees money, he's going to go and get that. So I just, uh, it's just how it is. Oh, Chris. Lawrence is coming look, at you again. Like, look, I'll drink as many damn cokes as I want to. One, two. Lawrence, you got too many bad habits to be throwing stones at my glass house. So, anyways, long story short, guys, I, I'm being dead serious when I say this. I think, I think within the next two to three years. We're obviously going to have a couple of losses in the coaching staff, but we we are going to be at the point to where people actually want to come here. Yeah. As far as coaches go, I think we're going to get – I'm not even looking at the fucking screen because I know he's talking shit. Um, but you, you're in a situation now where, like Taylor said earlier, Coach Atkins eventually is going to be a head coach somewhere. Yeah. I mean, that's just, like he says, the type of guy he is. Um, and, and he's getting the necessary – uh, you know, being the OC, and I think like Taylor said as well, he's going to start getting where Norvell allows him, hey, man, we're, you know, possibly five and two in the first seven games. Start calling the plays. Let's let's see how this works out. Um, I don't see him leaving in the next two years, I hope, but if if it happens, we do need 
to start getting that attraction back to FSU. Yeah, that's why the whole contract extension because LSU kind of called come calling a little bit there, and Florida State was able to give him that extension, and uh, he's done a really good job. And a lot of people talk about this offensive line is still struggling. Yes, they're an average unit, I guess you could say, uh, maybe subpar, maybe a little bit below average if you if you can say that, just because of the injuries they dealt with this season with Robert Scott and Marie Smith. But overall, I think this offensive line is really turning around, and I'm not saying they're going to be above average next season, but I am going to say they may be a tick above average, or you know, they may even be just average. Um, and an average unit will win you football games. And you could even see this, is an average receiver unit can win you football games. It, I mean, do you see the correlation? If you get enough time as an offensive line, you are able to pass the ball downfield. It's the same thing with Keir Thomas and Jermaine Johnson. They were able to rush four and was able to get the linebackers to improve this season and also get the defensive backfield to improve this season. So it's just something you have to think about. And it's uh, a lot of things that you have to really consider with um, getting that offensive tackle. If you are able to get an offensive tackle in the transfer portal that's experienced and has a surefire starter mentality, then that that can bring your unit from average to maybe above average. I mean, I think the coaching is to – as to who should get the the, I don't know, the pat on the back for that because you can win with a less than average offensive line and a less than average wide receiver room, and then just to throw in, you know, uh, maybe an average, maybe slightly under linebacker room. Um, I think the coaching staff last season. I understand that we only won five ball games. I understand that Florida State is nowhere near where we need to be. Mm-hmm. But you, if like I had this again today, there's a guy that's on he he's on all these Facebook groups, Florida State groups. He's like Dion, or prime times the next head coach of Florida State. Mm-hmm. Prove me wrong. No, it, I like stop with the like. Okay, Chris Winkie's the next head. No, not only because they played at Florida State doesn't mean they're going to be the coach here. Yeah, like, that's not how this works. And, and Taylor has said it, like, so many times. He's brought it up. Like, do you know how bad it would look if Dion came here and couldn't succeed and you have to fire him? Do you know what that does to this yeah. university? It has enough viability to do that either. It's it's a bad look and a bad image, and it'll completely destroy a fan base. Yeah. Like, so there's died so many times. So Yeah. So it's just, like, get off of that shit. Like, let's deal with what we've got right now. Because yeah. I think – you have to see the improvement that they have made. Like you have to see it. Um, Lawrence said, "I heard someone say on a vlog watching FSU basketball that Jimbo will win a ship at Texas A&M." I'm like, "Are they asleep? They're fucking dead asleep, and yeah. they took some good drugs to start dreaming that crazy ass dream." Yeah, I mean, um, personally, uh, there hasn't been a whole lot of news today. Because, uh, you know, they did have the number release on Seminoles.com. You know, they had a couple of interesting numbers, like Ja'Kai Douglas is zero. Uh, Jakar, uh, McClellan was number one. Um, Jared Verse was number five. You know, A.J. Duffy was 10. Sam McCall was 11. You know, there were some interesting numbers on there that I really thought that, you know, even if it was 15, they changed from that ugly 37 number to 13. So, um there's a lot. I mean, Demory Tate got downgraded, so now he's at the 31 spot now. Um, so 
we'll have to see how some of those kids uh, kind of get there. But, you know, I, I really do like um, with certain things that Porter State's really doing with their rotations. Um, I think that it's going to be a great year for Porter State. I do think that we probably need another running back, you know, and some other skill, skill positions that we have. Um, I don't think we're over with yet. Um, and I just think that Florida State's going to have a plan in place to uh, get what we need to be. And like I told you before, with you know when you released your your kind of how many wins do you think Florida State is going to have? And I really thought that six and six was a good benchmark for what this program is. I mean, they have to get bowl eligible, and that's if we see another five and seven season, you start to question the you know, logistics of the program as it is. And I really don't know if you can really speak into existence and go into a recruit's home and say, you know what, we were three and six, five and seven, and five and seven in our last three years. What makes sense in telling them, saying, hey, what's going to be different the next year? You know, I understand you have a young roster, and I understand that you have limitations on the roster. But if you win five games again, there may be some issues that you might have to bring up. And I think this staff is really solidifying the roster in terms of at least getting those six wins. I think getting to a bowl game would be a good start. You know, you get those 15 extra practices. You are able to get more experience and and give your guys more time to readjust everything. Give them some success in the postseason they haven't seen in four years. And I think that's a really big key for Florida State going forward. And I'm not saying six wins is something to be great and proud about, but it is a bowl a bowl game opportunity. And I think that's where you start. And I, I'm not sure on how the schedule is going to be structured because we, we won't find that out for a little bit. But I wonder, how is this team going to be able to do that? Will, you know, if they go down and have, let's just say, a two-and-one start or a one-and-two start, will they back down and, and keep losing? Or would it be a situation where they had this season where they went 0-4 and, and then they went off on a 5-3 and three ending of the season? Will they still have that winning mentality? Will they be able to fight through adversity? And I want to see that. I want to see if that team still exists. Are we in that win-small situation? Are we still in the lose-small situation? That's that's what we have to kind of figure out. And it's a thin line that you have to worry about. You can even ask Scott Frost at Nebraska. They thought they were going to take that next step forward with Adrian Martinez, and they never did. So Florida State is a great program. I would argue that it's a top-20 program in college football. It's not what it was. So you have to realize what they are as a program. And I think that Florida State can logistically win six games. I think seven is, is reasonable. I think eight is you're pretty much at the, at the point where you're achieving something really special because as me and Chris talked about in the last episode, there are some games on there that are pretty rough. I mean, you, you play Clemson at home, you play Florida at home, and you also play Miami on the road, and then you play LSU at the neutral site. So those four games right there are going to be – a uh, battle for Florida State. You also have Wake Forest, Louisville, that you struggled with the last couple of years. And you just have to put one win together. No wins are guaranteed at this point other than Duquesne. Um, even though people say, oh, Jacksonville State, we lost that. I'm tired of hearing about that. So that's the thing is you have to realize who you are as a program and understand that there's there's basically a standard. You can't look past any game and say, oh, we – we, we've won this game, so we're, we're just going to cruise by on the next game. No. You have to realize what you are as a program and, and understand your limitations. And I understand they have some limitations on the roster. This coaching staff is going to work through it. And I think that six wins is attainable. 
I think if if we can eliminate as many injuries as possible. Yeah. If if we can get some of these transfers up to speed as quick as possible. I want to see us go eight and four. I really do. Yeah. And I will say this: not only does Mike Norvell and staff have to get to the bowl game, they have to win the bowl game. Because if they don't, I mean, I'm sorry, but six and six, being only one win more than what you did last, you know, that would be the previous yeah. season. Yeah. That's not a great. It's better than going and saying I'm five and seven again, but it's still not yeah. great to go into a recruit's house and say, hey. We were bowl eligible this year. I mean, it. I mean, Miami can say that every year, but they just don't win bowl games. So, uh, hell, Miami can't even get to the bowl game once they even get eligible. They can't make it. They, I don't know what they're doing, but it's there's some there's too many games on the schedule that are winnable. Yeah, there was games that we lost last year. They're obviously winnable. Uh, the way that we came out and played against Notre Dame in the beginning of the season. I still will say this over and over again. If that team that played like they did against Notre Dame would have showed up week in and week out, you would have had more than five wins this year. But they did not show up over and over again. It just didn't happen. It wasn't the fact that we were close to a Notre Dame team. It wasn't the fact that we almost won. It's the fact that you've seen heart. You've seen a lot of passion out of those kids in that game. And then once we went and played Jacksonville State, I think they felt themselves a little bit too much. They had that, you know, we've all talked about it, that, you know, moral victory. And they seen that they were playing against a nobody. Uh, there's a certain somebody that Taylor that knows very well that he's going to have to be a troll for because they may uh, end up at Jackson, yeah. Jacksonville State. But I, I'm not throwing names out there. I say yeah. nothing. Just – I feel sorry for the person because Taylor's going to be a douche about it. Yeah. Uh, so if you got to slap Taylor around a little bit, you'll be all right. Yeah. Um. But I mean, just just based off of like what you're saying, six and six. What six games in your mind, like real quick? What what six games you worried about us winning? Personally, right now, um, LSU is one of them. Clemson is one of them, I think. Miami's another one. Even though it's at Miami, there's not going to be a lot of crowd or a lot of fans there. So you have to think about that as well. And then you're looking at maybe an NC State, I think will be a, a difficult challenge. You're looking at a Louisville team that you haven't really beat a ton. And then you may be looking at a Wake Forest team. So, And that's because they're they're greatly coached is, is the reasoning why. So, okay. I don't want to hear the sixth one because I think that was five, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to hear the sixth one because I swear to God, if we lose to Louisville again. Oh, I know. Uh, trust me. And like I said, I was in Louisville, Kentucky. I understand. I get it. I, I just – that team in particular is not good enough to keep beating us year in and year out. Whatever, Wherever they fall on the schedule, we have got to figure out how to put that damn game together because I'm tired of – Yeah. I know Louisville fans, and this sounds crazy, but – they have rode my ass year <laughs> in and year out about it. So, What's that? Scott Satterfield is a joke. So Exactly. And, and I just don't – they don't deserve to be on the field with Florida State, in my opinion, and we should make that memorable again. Um, 
in the 90s, if you would have said that Louisville was beating Florida State, it would have been impossible. Uh, which players is FSU looking at in the portal? So, really, the only three that I really have that Florida State is really active with is Lee, the, the Alabama linebacker, Shane Lee, and also with Trub McCutcheon. He's actually an Oklahoma defensive back that they're looking at. He's a, kind of a corner um, that they're looking at. Also, Trey Benson was the uh, Oregon running back that um, kind of had some injuries early on. Very talented back, but those are the, really the only three that they've really been active with personally. And they haven't been active with the time because, like I said, if they actually commit to Florida State, they won't be able to enroll into the summer. So yep. they're taking their time. So do you believe that – who is our sleeper right now that's currently on the roster? Who is your sleeper that could have a, a just blowout year? Are you talking about for recruiting-wise or are you talking about – No, 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 no. Just like standout player. Who do you think is a sleeper on the team that's going to have a good year uh, that maybe people aren't paying attention to? Uh, C.J. Campbell, the running back, walk-on. Uh, he's actually from Bay High School. Um, he actually had, I think it was like 2,500 total yards, uh, all-purpose yards. He actually finished with, I think, all 3,000 all-purpose yards in high school, and he was not ranked. And you want to talk about somebody that really hasn't got the recognition that they deserve? He is a physical specimen, and I would definitely say that he would be one that you would watch out for, especially with the situation with Florida State's running back situation with that. And I think that there's a situation where – Florida State could really be successful. Um, and running back is a position they really need to hit on. And, yes, it sucks that, you know, if you – I hear people all the time, you, you want to talk about preferred walk-ons. Florida State shouldn't have to rely on them. They're not relying on them. Uh, C.J. Campbell was a scout, scout team player of the year. So, uh, personally, I think he would be a guy that you would watch out for. If um, if you want to talk about maybe another guy, and maybe this is on the defense side of the ball, I think Shaheen Brown could be a situation, uh, and I think that was what Lawrence was talking about. I, I really do like him, especially with um, being that safety position. He's also comfortable playing the outside linebacker position and the cornerback position. He plays a lot of different positions, and I think he can be a really versatile piece that not a lot of people are talking about. Yes, he uh, he had the uh, the turnover positions and had a lot of the uh, mission takeaways in spring practices, but he really didn't show much because he is a true freshman. And that's something you have to watch out for with that is true freshmen really don't contribute at a high level early on. They have to get that, that sense of maybe a year of experience and red shirt and try to get through into their second year. Here's, here's my sleeper. Uh, I got like five bounds with you. I'm only going to name a couple. Yeah. But my sleeper went on the transfer, and that's uh, Winston Wright. Yep. Is that right? Yep. I think he's going to be a one hell of a player. Um, not just because of his talents, but he his 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 football IQ is is very high. So people yes. know. Um, Campbell is definitely on my list. I I just now got to start talk to him a, a lot. Yeah. Uh, that kid is amazing. He's a, an extremely um, He's fun to talk to. I'll put it that way. I like yeah. the kid. Um, and he is definitely underrated, has been underrated for a long time. I think he could definitely blow up this season. But if I'm going to go on the defensive side of the ball, 
it's a kid that I said was most improved last year, and that's Kalen Deloach. I think Deloach yeah. could have a now just. Do you classify him as a sleeper per se? Because he already kind of because I, I mean he what he finished third in tackles, fourth in tackles last year. I, well, here's my situation. The reason why I say he could be potentially put in a sleeper position is because mm-hmm. we're bringing over Tatum, Tatum you know, from yeah. UCF. Okay. And then you got, you know, I, I think Amari Gainers yeah. is going to have a, a better year at the beginning than he did last yeah. year. Um, but the reason why I say DeLoach is a sleeper is because I still don't think everybody realized, it, you know, how well he started playing. Mm-hmm. It's not the fact – when I say sleeper, I mean the fans notice. The fans know, yeah. hey, this guy is extremely talented. Not what yeah. – you're an, an analyst for real. Like you you analyze numbers, you analyze – other people don't. It's just the fact they see what they see and that's it. Um, but who has to play their best game uh, you, just week in and week out, and that's Jordan Travis. It's all on his shoulders again, guys. He's just getting it just stacked on to him. Uh but and he loves that pressure. I mean, he does. people that want to doubt him. I even admitted, I mean, I was wrong about him in 2019. I really didn't think he can throw a pass down 10 yards down the field. I really thought he had limitations and severe limitations that I thought he could not be successful in an ACC program. And um, also, with your comment about Kalen Deloach, uh, he actually moved his number from 20 to 4. So that's a huge uh, – you know, basically the significance with that. So just something. He moved it from 20 to four. Really? Yeah. yeah. He, uh, he actually moved his number to four. So he actually was four in high school. Um, so that's something to think about there. Uh, that's kind of the significance, but he did get here. Thomas's old number and the staff really thinks highly of him. And a lot of these guys that get single digit numbers, uh, they think highly of him. I, it, like it is with most programs. So Jordan Travis kept his number. Um, yeah. Trayshawn Ward keep his number? Uh, yes. Yes. Ja'Kai um, uh, Douglas got zero instead of 22 now. Um, I, I'll pull it up in just a second. Um, so you're looking at some other guys. Uh, McClellan, which, like I talked about, was number one. Don't know how that worked. He was at number 15. Winston Wright got three. Deloche got four. Pittman got four. Deuce Man got five. Uh, Jared Verse got five. McClendon got nine. So he's changing from 55 to nine. So just something to think about. Um, I, I just saw a couple of numbers that I just listed some of the newcomers, but any any number changes that I saw that were different, I went ahead and just put them all in there. Um, one number that changed was Brendan Gant. He moved from five to 28. So uh, something there. Like I said, DeMori Tate moved from, I think it was 13 to 31. Yeah. Uh, was the other one. Um, I didn't really see many that really changed from, from actual players that have been on the team. Uh, and like I said, CJ Campbell changed from 20 to 22. I saw that. Um, and he told me about that. Uh, as a red Thomas actually got 20 now. So I thought that was a pretty cool number for him. I can't remember what number he was in high school off the top of my head, but, um, Did you see what number Hester got? Or yeah, Hester got uh, fifty-seven. So a little bit odd of a number with that one. Um, let's see, Charleston got sixty-nine, but he's been sixty-nine for a little bit. Bless Harris got fifty-eight. Um, Dr. Richardson got seventy-eight. Brian Courtney got eighty-six. 
Bishop Thomas got 90, Daniel Lyons got 95, and Dante Anderson got 96. And before anybody asks, Dante Anderson is still technically a preferred walk-on right now. Uh, so I know that question is going to be coming, so I might as well just go ahead and address it now. Uh, I yep. can't even probably address his name without without having to explain it. So Yeah. Um, so anyway, what did Jarrell uh, Powers get? He is actually not there because he is still a summer enrollee. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, same thing with uh, Julian Armella, you know, all of those kids. So, Did you say what Duffy got? Yeah, Duffy got 10. Uh, Sam McCall got 11. Some of those guys had already got the, their same number in high school. Uh, kind of yeah. like Greedy Vance. He was number 21. He's still number 21. So, um, not really much. Rodney Hill got 29. I don't know if I mentioned that. Uh, Omar Graham Jr. got 36. Something like that. boy, Omar. Yeah, no, I like 36. 36 I, don't I like 36. Uh, I thought it looks all right. I mean, 36 is not bad. I'm surprised. You going to remember his name, he said? You going to remember the number? Yeah. Did uh, did they retire 34? Or no? They retired 34, right? OJ Simpson was 32. No, I don't think so. So, I mean, I was thinking maybe they would retire for Ernie Sims eventually, but I don't. I don't they haven't yet, no. Yeah, I don't think they would, personally. No. You'd be the only one that I would think. I don't know why I was thinking that. So, I don't know. Weird. Um, yeah, I put a couple other ones on there. I think uh, Jaden Floyd changed from, I think it was 31 to 39, I believe. I put that one on there. And then the walk-on uh, defensive end slash uh, tight end, Jimmy Casey, uh, got 47. I think that was the only one. Johnny Wilson got 14. Marion Cooper changed from 37 to 13. And that was about it. I think that was all the numbers that I had listed. Um, so I was hoping Pittman chose five. Yeah, Pittman's always been four. He's been, he was four at Calabasas. He, it's just his number. He likes it a lot. So um, I don't know if it means anything to him. I know his brother wore eleven. So I don't really I don't really know if it does mean anything for him. But I know he likes single digit numbers. But most receivers do. They they love single digit numbers. Most people do. I'm glad that Sam McCall got 11. Uh, I'm I'm definitely cool with Duffy getting 10. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, um, I don't know. I mean, because everybody was talking about how McCall should have gotten number two and they should have trolled. But you do realize that uh, before they can get anything, they have to get uh, compliance from the person that wore that number to get that. And do you really think Dion would really – yeah, his ego would not let him do that. Let me just put it that way. You can take no. two pictures in, in those commitment pictures, kind of like uh, Rodney Hill did when he did the little peace sign or something like that. But, mm-hmm. yeah, they won't, they won't allow the, uh, the the number two wearing in games. The same thing with 17. Even though Charlie Ward probably would, if Jameis Winston wanted to wear, uh, whatchamacallit, wanted to wear 17, I think they would. I think they would have let him. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you got really cool guys like, you know, you know, somewhere along the line you might lose number five if they do it for Jameis. Yeah. Uh, somewhere along the line you, you, you might lose. And there, there's just, you know, Jalen Ramsey might get honored at some point. I mean, do you really – I mean, yeah, I mean, I could see it before I could see Derwin James. Um, and that's sad, but – and, and I mean, and I went to that Charleston Southern game when he, you know, had the bad knee injury, but yeah, it was brutal. Uh, that 
that did not end pretty at all. And I mean, if if you wanted to, I mean, that would be my suggestion. And a lot of people are talking about how Levin should be retired with Jermaine Johnson, but after one year, really, I just uh, I don't, guys look. I, I I think Jermaine Johnson is probably one of the most amazing people I've spoke to. Yeah, and it's not because of what he did at Florida State. That's just a bonus. Yeah, but. If you're not, you know, I, I get it, but when you have the Derek Brookses, the, it, and like he just said, Ernie Sim, there's so many that you could yeah. bring up at four, especially when it comes to defensive line and linebacker. Yeah. It, like, eventually you would have no fucking numbers left. If you wanted to actually just give retirement numbers away, you could technically get rid of 90% of the numbers that are out there. So you have to do a lot more than one season at Florida State to get that retired. It's just love the kid to death, love what he did at Florida State last year, but let's be serious, we're not retiring number 11. And we're not building no fucking statue either. Just stop. No. And I mean – Bobby Bowden had to have 20-some-odd winning seasons to get a statue, so shit. Yeah. I just uh, – and personally, like someone had talked about earlier about uh, Deuce Van being one of those underrated prospects – you know, yes, he had five catches for 124 yards and two touchdowns. And, yes, he didn't really play as much. He was a converted quarterback, you know, but he had super high potential. He could really take a take everything off the defense and take a top off the defense. And, uh, you know, your safeties really had to play super high to be able to be able to contain him in the slot. So there's, there's big for that. Yeah, I just – that would be my criteria for having a number retired. And that's just my personal bias on that one. I just don't think there's a situation where you just retire a number because a guy has a great season. Guys have great seasons. And it's Florida State. It's not like we're, we're you know, Akron, for example. <laughs> we're not going down the Terry Bowden route, you know. We're, we're actually being a successful program. Like I said, it's a top 20 program. It's not, we're not slouches. And the only reason I'm saying it's top 20 is because Florida State is relatively young. We only started a football program since 1947. Some yep. of these programs have been since 1895. So yep. uh, they've already got 55 years on us. And by then, Army's already got 12 national championships. Yale's already got 20. So, mm-hmm. uh, so it, uh, uh, you know, it's whatever with that one. Alabama's got- I, I'm basing it off of this, like, you know, you said that was your personal criteria. Yeah. I can tell you that your personal criteria is nothing compared to the, the board. Like, yep. the board's not ever going to. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. I'm yeah. sorry. I mean, I love Jermaine Johnson. I think yeah. he was probably that it for Florida State last year that we needed. But there's no way in hell that we're retiring that number. Yeah, I will say this, though. A lot of people discount Kira Thomas and what he did. So Most, most definitely. And I mean, he wasn't as explosive. And his, you know, his hand explosiveness wasn't as great as Jermaine Johnson. But he was pretty disruptive. I mean, six and a half sacks is no slouch. I mean, that's – especially with him being kind of a hybrid defensive tackle, defensive end type, uh, especially also playing the Fox position and setting the edge. They did a tremendous job. I mean, Jermaine Johnson had one job was to get after the quarterback. You know, Keir Thomas had several different responsibilities that he had to do, not, not taking anything away from what Jermaine Johnson did because he is a tremendous player. But Keir Thomas – Is Jermaine play. Johnson a first-round draft pick? Yes. Uh, I got him going 17th. Yeah, I think that's about where he's supposed to be. Uh, I think mid to mid to low uh, first round. 
I think it would be a situation where maybe you could get him to about the 25 range where I'd see him fall if he fell. Um, but I don't see a reason why he would fall unless he had an injury. So, When is the uh, bowl game that they're all playing in? Um, this weekend, I believe, right? I thought it was. I just – I think it's this weekend, and I, I wanted a second opinion because I couldn't remember exactly. Yeah. Uh, a, regardless. I don't know who it was that had that. It was somebody that said something – I can't remember. Um, who was it that did the uh, FSU Instagram page was going – I think it was Keir Thomas that, that did yeah. it. And um, so I believe it's this weekend. I believe it's this. It time. is. It's this weekend. I'm. I see. So, and, and that's that's the other thing. You know, a lot of people thought, oh, you know, I can't go all the way to Hawaii to watch this bowl game. It's not in Hawaii. It's in Orlando. Yeah. They Y'all, just so it. you know, it, yeah, I get what it's called, but it's in Orlando. It's not in Hawaii. So there's still a chance to get tickets. So therefore, go use Taylor or Chris's. Uh, Spirit Addicts, and y'all get your asses to Orlando and watch Jermaine Johnson play in college again. Let's get it done. Somebody go for us. Damn, film the shit. I don't care. But go to Geek Squad. Use one of our uh, promo codes. Take your ass to the game. Tell us uh, why his numbers should be retired there. Yeah, I, I will say it's going to be a great, great appearance for some of these guys there. And you're even seeing Mackenzie Milton. He uh, showcased his helmet. That he did. Uh, that so was half awesome. And half, um, UCF and, and Florida State. So something really cool for everything going on. A lot of people don't really um, think too much about Mackenzie Milton and what he did for Florida State, but he did a lot. He really did. He he showed his all. He didn't have two legs. He probably had about one and a half that worked um, personally. And that's not a shot on him. He just he tried his best and it did what he could. But <laughs> that's about all he could really do. I mean. Uh, when you have I'll a leg massager. <laughs> hold on, hold on. I said geek, hold on. Instead of saying seat geek, I said geek squad, and I'm getting knocked for it. I didn't mean to say geek squad, John. I'm sorry, seat geek. You can't get no damn tickets in geek squad. <laughs> hey, I thought you were just a boot I, I realized it was the... Oh, shit. Are you trying to get us a round sound in here? Uh, look, I'm on cough medicine and some yeah. other stuff. No, everybody, I do not have COVID. I swear, yeah. I've been, I'm tested. I'm, so, uh, I'm not. You gonna drink another, another grape? <laughs> I don't even drink soda. Oh, but uh, no, go um, to see. Being on a serious note, hold on. I gotta fix this for myself. Deep geek. Go get your tickets to anything. It doesn't matter what it is. Concerts, baseball games, football games. Seat Geek. There we go. Seat Geek is the name my wife is telling me. Seat Geek. Yes. Go there. Use, <laughs> use uh, promo code Norvell Central, all caps, or Spirit Addicts in all caps, and receive $20 off of your total order. Please use it on anything. We could care less as long as Seat Geek sells the tickets. And I have done extremely I'm with everybody, StubHub, uh, Ticketmaster, and et cetera, I have done price comparisons. So when I'm writing you get an extra $20 off, it's because SeatGeek's already cheaper than them. So go ahead and put one of the promo codes in, get it, and go enjoy yourself. Have a great time. Be safe. Everybody be good. 
Taylor, you can continue. I apologize. Yeah. Um, one thing before I forget, um, I'm starting to do a little bit more content on my YouTube channel. So I'm starting to do that, starting to be a little bit better uh, with getting some videos out there. Um, I've gotten seven so far. Um, I've gotten about 565 or 66 followers now, or subscribers. Sorry. I'm still on the Instagram, Twitter stratosphere, so I'm still getting used to the word subscribers. But um, trying to get some more content out there. I might do a video either Sunday or Monday. I'm going to be off on Monday, so I may actually release a video there. If anybody has any video ideas or anything they would like for me to talk about, I know a lot of people like video content. I actually show my face on the videos and give more of a, uh, you know, I guess an auditory and visual uh, concept. I know a lot of people don't really like podcasts sometimes. Maybe it might be they want to see somebody really talk in front of a camera, and that may be better for some people. So I'm, I'm deciding to to do more of the, uh, the um, which we call it the just getting more live sessions out there in front of my face. So just something to think about there. Uh, if y'all have any topics that y'all might want me to discuss, just feel free to comment my Instagram, my Twitter, um, or even tell Chris uh, what your ideas are, and we can definitely piece that together. And I may even have him on a couple of videos to uh, kind of discuss because it is a lot sitting there talking to yourself and, and trying to get everything there. So that's just uh, hard. Something to think about. Who makes a bigger contribution on special teams this year, Pittman or Wright? Right, 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 right. All caps. Um, yep. Uh, he should have had three touchdowns, three kickoff return touchdowns. One was called back off of BS. Yes. Um, and the other one, he got tackled at the three yard line. <laughs> so, no, then he should have had four. Did you? So did you see the one? There you go. Because yes. he had one that he ran it back from like the. I want to say he was like the four yard line. Yes. And they called it back for a block in the back, and this kid was literally forty yards down the field. Because there was no. This guy was. Not, oh Jesus! I hate. Oh, uh, did you enjoy <laughs> the national title game? Um, yes and no. I mean, considering I'm originally from Alabama, uh, I hear a lot of Alabama and Auburn fans a ton, and it gets old, um, because most of those fans probably don't know how to spell Tuscaloosa, and they've never been to Alabama in their life, but they know of the program, and they know it's very successful, and they know two words, Nick Saban. Um, so was I glad that Georgia finally won? Yeah, but I also spoke spoke about this earlier was that with the NIL stuff, you know, Saban was talking about how it, it would ruin college football if, if an NIL started to happen, and I even mentioned it there. Saban would take every advantage that you could give him if NIL was better in effect in Alabama. He would absolutely destroy college football, and he – you could say that um, it would give an advantage where most teams or the same teams would be able to get titles. It's because he was talking about his team, Alabama, uh, because he's done a really good job there with that program. And the thing that I think about, too, with some of these uh, insiders that were kind of around college football and, and talking about the sport, they were talking about how many times Nick Saban would sit there on a press conference and smile. And, you know, you would see it in his eyes. You know, you really let this team hang around and only have one loss, get to the SEC championship and beat a Georgia team, and then get in the playoff? Like, this is probably his worst team that he's had in a couple of years. And, and he it had, still made it to the title. Yes, and that's the thing. I mean, they're very young. 
I mean, Bryce Young, that was a first-year starter. And Will Anderson absolutely destroyed everyone. I mean, he was a menace. And you want to talk about Jermaine Johnson? Will Anderson should have been invited to New York, got snubbed because of Adrian Hutchinson from Michigan, which I think he's a good player too. But, um, yeah, Will Anderson was probably the best player in America, and he didn't get the credit he deserved. And Bryce Young won the title because, or the Heisman because of him being a quarterback. Uh, yes, he had interesting stats, and I could almost tell you that Kenny Pickett had a better year than than uh, Bryce Young. But yeah, I mean Alabama lost their best wide receivers, and yes, Georgia had to find a way to run the ball with Zamir White. Um, but personally, I think they did enough, and I, I give them credit. They have a top, I would say, a top three defense, if not if not the top in the country. Um, I personally think that they are very good defensively. Um, Dan Lanning did a good job. I want to see what they do coming up this next season without Dan Lanning there. But uh, I think Kirby's got a good program there. The SEC East, I hope they keep beating on Florida. And, um, yeah, I just think it's a really good program for both these guys. I don't see Georgia win another title, and they may have a like another title drought, but we'll kind of see. Um, but good win for Georgia. I think Alabama is probably going to be – They've already favored. I think they're a preseason number one uh, now again. So, and why wouldn't they be? I mean, they got both of those guys coming back that I said. Look, I'm gonna say it like this: It's boring to a lot of guys to see a defensive game. Not to me. I love defense. It's yeah, just who I am. Uh, and I will say that Nick Saban and his staff did not get out coached in that game. I hate Alabama and Nick Saban just as much as the next guy. Yeah. But Kirby Smart is like a a better version of Will Muschamp. That's my opinion. Yeah. I mean that's uh he's right. not he's not bad, but he's not great. He's not a great coach. He's just good. It's not like he was handed a losing team either. That's what kills me with all this. Like, Mark Rick, when he left, that that team wasn't, you know, they never won a national title. I get it, but they were not bad. Um, yeah. There were 10 wins, you know, whatever. Which, the college playoff era was not there when Mark Rick was there. So, would they have, they have made it off of a one-loss season? I don't know. Point is, is Kirby Smart got him one as a head coach? Kirby Smart got Georgia one within 41 years. Great job. He is a good recruiter. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say he's elite though. It's look, I, he's good. I would, and this may. Surprise I'm not. Me. I actually think Mario Cristobal is an elite recruiter. Oh shit! The problem is he's not an elite coach, and he's not even a good coach. He's an average X's and O's coach. But the thing I said about Miami is the fact of you being in South Florida like that and you were an elite recruiter and you're able to get some of those guys in there, will you be able to scheme up enough plays to win nine or ten games? And I don't see that happening in Miami. And they will get all the guys they want to get, and they can be you know, getting successful you know, recruits in there. But if you don't have the staff to develop at a high level, what are you doing? This is what's going to happen. Look, y'all, Mario Cristobal's got something that kids like to hear, and he's he's playing it to his best ability. 
But if exactly what Taylor is saying, if this is true, he's not a good enough coach, X's and O-wise, to get you to where you need to be, eventually we're going to have to stop saying that these, like, you, no offense, but people that are saying this, you got to start at some point saying that you're testing these kids' knowledge or uh, their ability to think for themselves because if they're not winning the games that they should with elite recruits, the recruits are going to start saying, hey, you know, He's got a good speech, and he's a good recruiter, but they can't win the game. So I'm going to go elsewhere where I think they have a – that's just what I see. I think he's got a stint here. What I consider an elite recruiter is someone that does it year in and year out and win. Uh, he's just doing a good job now. He's doing a good job when he was at Oregon. To me, it's not that hard to recruit out of the West when you're at Oregon because – USC's been a shit show for a while. It, there's just not a lot of schools over there that you're really competing with. So I, I think he did a good job at Oregon. I think he can recruit. I just don't think he's elite. This is not. I, the, the word elite means something to me. It's uh, Maybe I hold it a higher regard. But he is good. Yeah, I mean, I do think Kirby Smart is an elite recruiter. And I do think he's a good X's and O's coach. Um, I think he brings a lot of energy to that fan base. Primarily because you know he was from Georgia, he he did get a lot of those kids, and a lot of those kids can relate to him as a you know just as a coach in general. But Mario Cristobal, like someone I talked about before, is sixty two and sixty as a head coach. Um, you have to also think that prior to Oregon, he was also at Alabama's offensive line coach, and he was voted as the top recruiter in that staff. And how hard is it, or how difficult is it to recruit at Alabama? It's not very difficult. Um, you can get those South Georgia kids. You can get those South Florida kids if you really wanted to. And that's what Miami's losing now is, you know, those South Florida kids and not really banking on some of those kids. And now you're being able to get them with Mario Cristobal. And can he turn into into something special? Maybe, maybe not. But Miami's got a decent, you know, foundation. But the problem is, is will they have enough money to be able to generate all this together? It, it can be exciting to get recruits. We all know. I mean, we, we went through Midnight Madness and we went through the, the aftermath of that. But will that be a situation where Miami is able to generate enough revenue for the program to be able to build their own stadium outside of, you know, in Miami somewhere? It'll probably be in Coral Gables, but – Will they be able to do that? And I just don't know if they will be able to. And that's going to be their outcome of, of will they be a successful program? Will they generate enough revenue to the program? And can they keep up with everybody else? No. I, Miami, look, the U ain't back and the U ain't coming back, period. I don't care if Crystal Ball's there. God, at this point, you need saving and that ain't happening. So, yeah, And I don't mind Billy Napier. I, I, I think he's actually a decent coach. Um, I, I've talked about this before. Um, well, he's a better coach than a recruiter, that's for sure. Yeah, he's not a really great recruiter. But he hasn't shown it either. And I wouldn't even say Mike Norvell is an elite recruiter. I think he's a good recruiter. Um, yeah, he's good. He's not elite. But he hasn't shown that. And I can be critical about Mike Norvell as well. I'm not just saying that because, you know, it's not my team. I will say Mike Norvell has something to prove on the recruiting trail, but he also hasn't won at Florida State yet. So that's also the other thing. Once he wins, what will happen? You know, you can win at Memphis, but what will it give you? You know, his his 11 or 12-1 season right before he left to go to Florida State, 
they he wasn't able to reap the benefits of that, whatever that season would have been and whatever that recruiting efforts would have been. Um, because, you know, like I said, it's a group of five school. So we'll see what happens with Mike Norvell. If he does get that success, if he does go seven or eight wins and gets and elevates to that next level. But right now, I just don't know. I just think it's a little bit um, just out of reach for Florida State right now to to say that he is an elite recruiter. He's a very good recruiter, though. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm in agreement. Um, I hope that Florida and Miami continue to be their dumpster fire that they've been now. I hope it continues for them for a little while, just so we can we can pull Florida State together. We're a step ahead. But I say it, and I'll continue to say it: the three Florida, the three big. Florida teams have got to get their shit together because college football is not the same. It is not near as good. Michigan, Harbaugh, just son, I I, I hope and pray for you that things get better. I really do. Uh, Nick Saban, he'll see y'all again in the national title, whoever the hell that's against next year. Uh, Kirby Smart, kiss on that sunbitch while you can because it ain't sticking around. Yeah. uh, Billy Napier, or whatever your name yeah. is, Raging Cages 2.0, son. Keep doing your thing. Uh, just get the equipment manager from uh, the Raging Cages, and hell, you got your whole staff. Um, let's see who else you need. Uh, the towel boy, he said he's willing to come yeah. for an extra dollar an hour. Um, just y'all keep doing what you're doing because. Uh, we could really Mike Norvell could look really elite here in the next couple of years if this is what they continue to do. Um, but I'm gonna tell y'all that I want Miami to be good. I want Florida to be good. I just want Florida State to be better. But I don't mind them being good. Yeah, I just I personally just don't think Miami would get past like I said that nine or ten threshold. I I don't think they can get past that. And I don't either. I. And I'm not saying this is just a criticism because I hate Miami. I still I still hate Miami. I think Florida has a brighter future than Miami. And it's because I agree. of the conference they're in. It's also because of the facilities. It's also because of where they're at. I mean, it's it's a lot of good things going on there. And they can still be able to get those South Florida kids and those South Georgia kids and those Alabama kids and, West, and uh, Louisville and Mississippi. They're getting them all. So, I mean, I'm not saying that Napier is a great recruiter because I don't think he's a tremendous recruiter but i do think he's a, a better coach than crystal ball overall um that may be a bold take but um I'm, i don't hate crystal ball I, like i said i think he's an elite recruiter but, but what can he do now well guys um y'all go follow me on twitter it's easy to find me at spirit addicts um go follow taylor on anything twitter <laughs> Uh, right now, I think he's trying to. I think he's trying to get his subscribers up on YouTube. I also am trying to do the same thing. It's god awful hard. Yeah. Um, so please, if you have a, a chance, just go subscribe to both channels. Norvell Central's is not hard to find. I promise. Yeah. Mine's not hard to find. My shit's easy. It's spread across the board, man. Just put it in. Yeah. Uh, Taylor's is easy. It's either Central Norvell or Norvell Central. Even when you do it in Twitter as Norvell Central, it still pops up. So. Yeah. It's easy. Y'all go give us a follow because we do, like I said, we put up different content on each one. Now, we have similarities. There's similar content on them, but we also have different things that we do. Taylor does not do the, the videos on Instagram that he's talking about that he does on YouTube, and it's a yeah. really cool thing that he does. I like it. 
And I don't like a lot of things. I'm, I'm a very uh, biased person. And it's not because he's on my podcast. It's not because we agree on a lot of things. It literally is. A, he keeps it at about 15 minutes. And for someone that has ADHD, as myself, he keeps my attention and that's saying something because that's hard to do. Yeah, that's the biggest thing uh, when I try to make YouTube content. Uh, recently, I've been trying to make it even six or five minutes. I mean, just get your point across and get off of it, you know, and that gives you the whole message right there in front. You know, I'll introduce myself at the beginning, but as soon as I introduce myself, I'm, I'm into it. Like, I'm, I'm going straight into the topic. So I don't waste any time. Uh, I may have to make a little bit of adjustment when I go to a thousand subscribers so I can get monetized a little bit. I may go to 10 minutes, but that's probably at most I'm going to be able to talk by myself anyway. So just be prepared for that. Um, I also uh, have a Q&A coming tonight. Um, I'm actually loading up the questions. I'm going to be probably copying and pasting all of those questions and answers after this. Um, I did a class of 23 offensive lineman um, that I just interviewed today, and I'll be posting that a little bit later. But stay tuned for that one. Yeah, and uh, guys just and, – and gals and girls and however you want me to say it uh, – being dead serious with you, it's extremely important for everybody to go and give to the boosters. It's really simple now. Um, you can give as little as $5 one time. Um, you don't have to make it a monthly thing or yearly thing. You can literally do it once and be done. Yeah. Um, and, and we obviously understand if you can't give money and things are tight, we get it. So just keep supporting the Knowles. Uh, with that, guys, uh, Taylor, that's all I've got. Uh, I will say this. Um, um, so basically what I'm trying to do for uh, the season coming up, I'm actually going to be doing some, maybe some ticket giveaways as well. I'm um, trying to work on a foundation so that way we can, uh, I got a, I got a foundation in mind, a little bit of an idea of maybe a charitable idea that I'm thinking about doing. It's going to be a nonprofit organization um, and basically just trying to get back to a certain thing that's very important to me. But I'm still working on the logistics of it, uh, everything going on there. But it won't be anything that would benefit me. Uh, it's just wanting to benefit others that have been going through some stuff. So I'm hoping to get something started with that um, in the early stages of this, just getting the ideas out there. But uh, that may be something that may be coming this football season. So just kind of keep in contact with that. Well, what, what, what are you trying to get out there? So basically, there is a certain condition that's pretty important to me in trying to get some certain, uh, I guess, underprivileged kids that are able to go to some of these games. So I'm able to kind of generate an idea to be able to get some of these kids to be able to go to games, to pay for travel expenses, stuff like that, even if it isn't Florida State games in general, just to give them that college football experience, because I know it's helped me a bunch in terms of just getting uh, my mind off of things or whether it be just uh, getting new ideas out there. So I'm just kind of thinking and brainstorming some ideas to be able to uh, get some, you know, some kids out there that would be able to do that. They may have some medical conditions that may prevent them financially from being able to go as well. Um, and just trying to give them another resource to be able to go. So that way they can enjoy themselves and kind of think and, and kind of get away from the sense of, of having those conditions and everything like that. Well, man, as soon as, like, if you need anything from me, um, I'm all for it. It don't matter what it is. When it comes to kids, and, and 
I will say this, Florida State fans are some of the greatest on giving to, to underprivileged children, regardless if it's medical or just poverty itself. Everybody goes through something, and our fan base does a great job on it. And like you said, it does not have to be Florida State games. That's just a bonus if we get them to that. Yeah, that's what I'm but saying. But I agree with you 100%. Um, if there's anything at all that you need from me, I know another guy, remember Chris? Uh, Star Wars that was off yeah. of the Hitman podcast. Yeah, dude, he's he's he does a great job on helping those type of charitable uh, charities. Yeah, um, he's another one that is a good person to talk to. Yeah. That he has he has connections. I know because I've seen what he's been doing. Yeah. Um. So anything that you need for me, let me know. I'm down for it. I'll yeah. help any way I can. I did ticket giveaways last year. Not. Yeah. I didn't have a specific, uh, you know, charity, but. I did yeah. give it to fans that followed Florida State or me or whatever, but I, I'm letting you know if I can help. That's what I want. Yeah, that's the biggest thing because I've, I've kind of been thinking about it for a while. Um, there's actually an association that I'm with um, that kind of helps uh, other children that have some hydrocephalus symptoms. So I'm thinking about some different things um, with a with couple of things going there. Uh, hydrocephalus is basically bleed, uh, bleeding brains. Basically, it it kind of helps uh, kind of get the fluid out of their systems and able to uh, kind of get there. They, they've prematurely grown up and, you know, are able to uh, get some situations there where they're unable to do a lot of things. So I just thought of a couple of different ways because there are some organizations out there that help these, these children and these younger adults, but uh, they aren't really able to really do a whole lot because they're having to go to treatments and their shunts fail and, and different things happen like that. So, there's a lot of things that I want to kind of outreach for. And that's one of the things that I'm really looking for now is not just that. I mean, even cancer, you know, that people are, are battling through some cancer issues there. Uh, there's just a lot of different things that I want to help and kind of express my voice and have my following. Um, I'm blessed to have a following that I have right now to kind of give back to what I love. But I also want to give it back to the greater good of, of trying to help other people. And that's that's the biggest thing for me is not really how many followers I have or how many subscribers I have or how many likes or comments I have on certain things. It's fun to talk about and it's fun to have you know reasonable conversations about because people enjoy that kind of stuff. But the other reason is, is you have to realize what you know, what you're set out to be, what, what God really wants you to have in your life. And I think that is a really important factor. And in determining who you are and um, just just what you're made of and, and how you're able to help other people in, in their time of need. Man, I'm, I'm all for what you're trying to do, yeah. uh, especially in the – my sister went through a similar situation. So, and, you know, she was born at one pound and an ounce, and we were told right off the bat she wasn't going to make it. And uh, God willing – uh, he blessed our family because she's 22 years old and she's living as normal life as possible. Yeah. She has the shunt still to this day. Yep. So you got my heartstrings all tied around that. Yep. So again, yeah. any whatever organization or whatever you end up coming up with, you feel free to put it all over mine. Like do whatever you want to. Yeah. Um, guys, uh, please stay tuned for what Taylor comes up with with that. Yeah. Because that, to me, is extremely awesome, and it deserves every bit of the giving that we can give it. Uh, so stay tuned for it. Go check out his YouTube uh, video later tonight. He's got the Q and A coming up. Yep. Uh, y'all stay. We 
we're trying to hang out with y'all as long as we can. Yeah. Uh, we do multiple things. That's the reason why, like, we'll have a podcast for two hours sometimes. And then right after we get off, we're making five, six edits because there's something else coming. Yeah. And now he's got a YouTube video that he's fixing to do. Yeah. And now he's throwing my ass and saying he's going to get me on. I'm good. I'll do it. Yeah. But, God. <laughs> now he's yeah. got me going with a damn. Just, we ain't going to stop. Just yeah, never sleep be, time. Uh, when I get you to come on, like I said, it'll be a shorter one. So it'll be just one thought, and, yeah, that's kind of it, really. We oh, I know. I'm just messing with you on network. Uh, but, uh, I love this shit. Yeah, we, we're going to try to do something a little bit different. Uh, like I said, it's taken a lot out of me, which I can still do it. Um, doing it by myself because it's a little bit weird talking to yourself. It is. You're having an audience talking to yourself is weird. So I try to do, limit myself as much as possible, maybe two videos a week. Um, nothing too special, but just something to kind of keep it out there. But, uh, personally, I'm just trying to expand myself as much as I can to as many platforms. I even started, uh, doing on Sphere Addicts on Facebook. So, yep. No, we're not making things. a rap video. No, like, I mean, I can rap, but no, I can't rap. Just kidding. Uh, y'all, everybody, I love you. Good night. Go Knowles. Well, not good night yet. Y'all go check out his video, but <laughs> go Knowles. Y'all have a good one. Stay safe. Stay the hell away from this, oh, whatever the hell it is, Corona shit. Yeah, yeah. Stay away from it. Y'all have a good one. Go Knowles. Go Knowles.